And if you have your Bible, would you turn to Psalm 103? My message title today is Compassionate Gospel Parenting. As you're turning, let me share with you how Charles Spurgeon introduces this psalm in his commentary. He says, as in the lofty Alps, some peaks rise above all others, so among even the inspired psalms, there are heights of song which overtop the rest. This 103rd psalm has ever seemed to us to be the Monte Rosa of the divine chain of mountains of praise, glowing with a ruddier light than all of the rest. It is the apple tree among the trees of the wood, and its golden fruit has a flavor such as no fruit ever bears unless it has been ripened in the full sunshine of God's mercy. There is too much in the psalm for a thousand pens to write. It is one of those all-comprehending scriptures, which is a Bible in itself, and it might alone almost suffice as the hymn book for the church. So with that as the introduction, let me read Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west. How far is that? As far as the east is from the west. So far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him, for he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. And as for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field, for the wind passes over it, and it is gone, and its place knows it no more. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him, and his righteousness to children's children, to those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens, and his kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, O you his angels, you mighty ones who do his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all his hosts, his ministers who do his will. Bless the Lord, all his works in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. 
Spirit of God, I pray that you would come upon us as we study these words. Fill us afresh with encouragement and hope. Those of us who are parents, Lord God, inspire us today to live according to your word. Amen. Well, David begins this psalm with this introductory command of himself to praise. He, he says, bless the Lord, O my soul. And he repeats it. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Forget not all its benefits. If you're like me, you need to regularly remind yourself to bless the Lord. It's something that David here wants to focus upon. Uh, we get caught up with the difficulties, the pressures, the challenges of life today living with masks, being distant from the people we love. We can become discouraged, lose sight of God's grace. And David reminds us to tell our souls when we wake up in the morning, wake up soul, bless the Lord. It's a great psalm to wake up to to forget not the benefits of God and speak out loud. Do you ever do that? You know, we can pray quietly, but there's something wonderful. Let yourself loose in the morning. If you want to know what you could say, I don't know, I've never, never praised the Lord out loud by myself. What about my family hears? Just go back to this psalm. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. Shouted in the morning, there's just something good about that that stirs the warmth of your spirit and gets you going. That's what David's doing. And if you begin to look through this list of what David presents, it's hard to contain yourself. Look at these verses and what God does for us. Verse 3, who forgives all your iniquity. We deserve judgment, but God in his kindness sent his son Jesus to take our punishment on the cross so that we could be forgiven. Verse 4, he redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. We were helpless, fallen into the pit of sin, and we had no hope of getting out. God could have left us there. We deserve judgment. But instead, he rushed down his hand and he rescued us. Instead of judgment, God gave us mercy. Verse 5, not only did God forgive us and rescue us, but then we see he satisfies us with good so that our youth is renewed like the eagles. Consider how amazing it is that God would reward those who hated him who turned away and rejected him. To us who were his enemies, he pours out blessing. That's why David commends his soul to praise. See, these things about God, are, they're the fuel of our praise. Now, we heat our house with wood, and the first thing you do is you put a little kindling in to get the fire started, right? And then, as the fire begins to catch, you put in the bigger logs, the ones that sustain the fire. Well, what we read is actually just the kindling. He goes on with the bigger logs to fuel our praise. God does not repay us according to our sins, verse 10. Here's one. Verse 11, God's love for us is higher than the heavens. Scientists are still trying to figure out how big the galaxy is, so big that no one could possibly get a hundredth 
through it in a lifetime, even if you were going at the speed of light. And here God says, my love for you, blow your mind, it is bigger than the farthest star is away. And then in verse 12, another mind-blowing, unbelievable concept that we can't even fathom. God removes our sins as far as the east is from the west. How far? So far that they're inconceivably, impossibly far apart. That's how far he puts his, our sins away. And then, this truth, verse 13, as a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. Well, wait a minute. Something different about that. When I was studying this psalm, that verse jumped out at me. Wait a minute, God. You are comparing yourself to me? Here I am struggling as a dad. The enemy is ever ready con to condemn me and tell me that I'm a failure. And, and God says his compassion in parenting is like this dad. God's compassion in parenting, he compares it to you, dad, to you, mom. And then I realized, hmm, I think he thinks I'm supposed to be able to do this. And doubt gave way to faith. Because if God says, I can compare myself to these men's parenting, their compassion is like my compassion. You want to get to know me? Get to know the dads of this church. I knew my failures, but somehow I thought, wait a minute, God doesn't lie. Somehow in here is a motivation for me as a dad. Somehow I'm going to get back up again and try again. And from there I realized this psalm provides a framework for me for how to relate to my children, especially those who are difficult, who don't want to obey, those who rebel, those who turn away. And I began to model my life after the description of God. And then what I discovered was that if you do this, your life reveals God and his kindness, compassion, forgiveness, and love to your children. You know, too often our parenting, my parenting, was marked by anger rebuke, punishment, consequence. But what we see here in Psalm 103 is that parenting is meant to be compassionate and forgiving that can point our children to God's gospel love. So I want to do something here. I want to stir your faith for this. I want to look at five characteristics of a compassionate gospel parent that I see here. And some of these kind of overlap a little bit, but it's just kind of like God demonstrating his character before us and saying that this is what those dads and moms are going to be like. And I think we can be inspired by who he is and try to be like him. The first one I want to look at is that compassionate gospel parents are teachers verses 6 and 7. 
The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people Israel. If it were not for God revealing himself to us, we would not know who God is. If it were not for God giving us his law, we would not know what sin is. Paul said in Romans 7 that he would not have known what sin was unless God had shown him. Now, think back to the Israelites' days. They're suffering under the cruel masters, cruel taskmasters of Egypt. God appears to Moses and says he's going to deliver his people. And then he delivers them in such a dramatic way to show his greatness and power. He gives Moses the law. And, and then the people rebel and Moses breaks the stone tablets. He calls Moses up a second time to rewrite the commandments on new stone tablets and there God appears to Moses in his glory, and he says that he's going to share with him his name, and this is the name God gives the same characteristics in that name that are found in this psalm. The Lord descended on the cloud and stood before Moses, and there he proclaimed the name of the Lord. The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgressions and sin. There, in that moment, God reveals his ways to Moses that he's an all-powerful but all-forgiving God. And then later Moses charges the parents in Israel, with these words, and these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand. They shall be frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on your doorposts of your house and your gates. The first, perhaps most important step in becoming a compassionate gospel parent is that we do what God did. We teach them who God is. Because power is not resident within us, but within the word of God and the ways of God to reach our children for the kingdom of God. We need to tell them about Jesus and the story of God's rescue plan. The gospel contains the words of life. Our most important task as parents is passing on these words to our children. Now, I've written family devotions. I've written books for parents to help them. People think, oh yeah, get one of Marty's books. He's got it together, man. He does this all the time. I mean, he's, he's... Here's, here's the truth. If you counted all my days that I did devotions, counted all the days that I missed, I had far more days than I missed than I did. I failed often at this. So if you're discouraged, if you're saying, yeah, compassionate gospel teacher, not that good at that. In fact, I don't remember the last time I did a family devotion. I want to inspire you. The Bible tells us that failing is not falling. So if you've fallen off the wagon of doing family devotions, you haven't yet failed. In Proverbs 24, 16, we read, though a righteous man falls seven times, he gets up again. Righteous men, we dads, we're going to fall. We're going to drop the ball. But what marks failure? The enemy would want to say, you drop the ball, you're a failure. See that, dad? You can't do it. God says, oh no, 
righteous man rise up again. Failure isn't falling. Failure is after you fall, only if you refuse to give it another try. So as you think about teaching your children, you think, yeah, I haven't done a great job. That's okay. That's the past. What about the future? Pick up that baton. Teach your children about Jesus. Pass on these wonderful truths, even the ones we're learning here today to your kids. Talk about this psalm with your children. Talk to them about how it has affected you. God has taken your sins and removed them as far as the east is from the west. Let your kids know how important that is to you. Compassionate gospel parents are teachers, and they are also, number two, slow to anger. Verses eight and nine, we see this, that compassionate gospel parents are slow to anger. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger. I used to think that I was a patient man. Then I got children. And I learned just how I could go from happy as a clam, my day is doing well, to instantly. How does it happen, Lord? One mom wrote this story on her blog. I'm trying to clean up from dinner after working all day and rushing home in time for my husband to go in for his night shift. The kids are running laps through the kitchen and the living room area. I try to get the last few dishes into the dishwasher when I realize that the the footsteps have stopped pounding and it's a little bit too quiet. I go into the living room to find the laundry that had been folded earlier sprawled across the floor and all over the couches. The kids are nowhere to be found. They are in the bathroom and have poured the bath soap onto the floor and are buck naked rubbing themselves with the soap. They think it's hilarious. This may seem cute to some, but I am exhausted, and patience is the last thing that I have. There are no deep breaths, no moments of reflection, just yelling. You're laughing because you know this scene. I sent them to their rooms and start the cleanup process. I so wish I had a personal cleanup crew of imaginary little gnomes that would just show up when I needed them. Why gnomes? I have no idea. Perhaps I've officially gone delirious. How quick can we become angry? We laugh because we know it's true. But God, the Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. This character of God first introduced to Moses in the scripture that we spoke of is spoken in the Bible Retold by Nehemiah, David, Jonah. That was the reason why Jonah fled to Tarshish. He knew God would forgive the Ninevites. The prophet Joel says, Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger. Here's the question. How well do we demonstrate this characteristic, moms and dads, to our kids? Solomon tells us that... um, Being slow to anger quiets contention. Whoever's slow to anger is better than the mighty. And he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. In his glory, he who overlooks an offense. It is is his glory, he who overlooks an offense. So it's just there's great wisdom in it. But why is it we find it so difficult to do? There was a time as my children were growing up, I was convicted of my anger. I told my wife, I said, look, we just have to confess 
our anger to our kids. I mean, if, if you agree, we've become an angry family. My wife's like, oh yeah, me too. Said, all right, let's, let's confess our anger to our kids. We put all our kids together. I confessed my anger. My wife Lois confessed her anger. And then I asked my kids if they wanted to confess as well. And one by one, they all confessed that they had been angry too. We'd become an angry family. We made this arrangement that if anybody started to get angry, anyone could put their hand on another side. And that was something that you could never reject. I couldn't reject my son putting his hand on my side. I needed to stop and think and pray, Lord, okay, help me overcome my anger, Lord. It began to transform our home as we began to realize how angry we were. God's grace came in for change. I needed that. I can still remember the day when I got a call from the father of my son's girlfriend, who now is his wife. He informed me that my son had been arrested by the local police. I drove to the police station. It was closed. Couldn't figure out what to do. I was grieved and hurt. I didn't even know what happened. My flesh wanted to scream and yell and let my son know how disappointed he, I was in him. He got home. He just walked up the driveway. I said, son, we need to talk. He's not now, dad. I was like, oh yeah, not now? Oh, not now, huh? I could feel my temperature rising inside as I walked with him. And then the Spirit of God just began to touch me and gave me compassion for his situation. How he must be affected by his own failure. So I just asked him if I could pray. Didn't punish him because I could see he had fallen into a pit. I wanted to reach my hand down and help him out. You know, later he said this, I thought you were going to ground me forever and take away my car and a host of other punishments. When you were kind to me and didn't punish me, it affected me. God used your kindness and lack of anger to help me see what he is like. Oh, I could have yelled, and I would have, I think, had not years earlier I repented of my frequent, incessant anger. That would have been his memory. So what do we do when we fail? We get angry, think, oh yeah, I, I've just been angry with my kids. Here's what I would say, when you do it right, it does become a hallmark in their life of God's character. When you do it wrong, it is simply an opportunity for you to confess your sin to your kids, ask forgiveness, and them to know the power of the cross in your life. So whether you do it right or you in a time of failure, they both can point to grace. Compassionate gospel parents are teachers. They're slow to anger. They're loving. We see that in verses 10 and 11. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. You know, when our children are toddlers, they need a regular correction. They're just learning. We correct them when they throw their food, when they hit their sibling, when they refuse to come, and, and more. The Bible tells us that our discipline drives the foolishness from our children and helps them understand that bad consequences do come from bad behavior. That's an important thing. They are not born with that truth. But too often, 
We continue to treat our children as toddlers straight through as they grow up right into the teen years. We insist that every disobedience have a consequence, a punishment. We deal with our children according to their sins. We repay our children according to their iniquities. Oh, that's not what it says here about God though, right? What does God do? Just the opposite. Folks, he does not punish us for every sin. He does not repay us with discipline every time we stray. We, we create so many rules for our kids. Uh, you must not give me that pouty face. Don't stomp your feet. Don't forget to clean up after yourself. You've got to eat everything on your plate. You must not get up after bedtime. Don't come out of your room for a drink. You must not get out of your bed and walk around. You must not scribble on your coloring sheet. Here's the challenge. Where's the encouragement? It's not that we should never correct our kids. Where's the overlooking the offense and showering out with love? No, God corrects us. But his love is the hallmark of all that he does. What does God do for us? He writes his law upon our hearts and sends his Holy Spirit to gently prod and convict us, to open our eyes to see what is wrong. As parents, we've got to transition from being a disciplinarian to becoming a discipler as our children grow. And it happens sooner than you think. As they begin at around age six to learn to read, they're able to understand the truth they read and need to be discipled. Just mark kindergarten down. Like, okay, A, B, C, D, E, F, G. God has put your sins as far as the east is from the west. They go together. It doesn't happen that much later in life. Compassionate Gospel parents teach their children. They're slow to anger. They're loving. And they're forgiving. Look at verse 12. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. Should somebody ask my children, what is your dad like? What a joy it would be for me to hear them say, He's one of the most forgiving men that I know. He, he removes his sins from my memory, from his memory, as far as the east is from the west. Doesn't keep a record of wrongs. Every time I fail, it's like the first time I've ever failed. What does he do? He reaches out to me. He shows me what I've done wrong. He helps me to see what the consequences are. If I keep doing that, I don't change. And then he loves me. He understands how hard it is. You know, he grew up too. Some of us, we relate to our kids. You know, God has been working on, on me for 55 plus years. And my kids, they need to get it in five and a half minutes. You know, God's still, hello, Marty McFly. <laughs> you never listen to me. This has got to be the 10th time I have told you. 
If I have told you once to do this, I have told you a thousand times. I might as well be speaking to the wall. You know, this is not the first time you have done this. How's that, Dad? Well, because I'm keeping a record of wrongs. I know. Peter wanted to know, Jesus, how many times must I forgive? Seven times? That's a lot, you know, Jesus, seven times. I'm giving you a big number because I, I, I want to make sure I get this right. Jesus says 70 times seven. What does that mean? It just means keep on forgiving. Keep on forgiving. And let me add this. With the grace that you extended the first time they messed up. So how do we accomplish this impossible task? Especially if we have a rebellious child who just seems to refuse to obey. There's only one way. There is only one way to find grace to forgive. And that is to meditate on the cross and the forgiveness you yourself have received. Paul wrote to the Colossians, forgive as Christ has forgiven you. Where's our forgiveness come from? From remembering his. If you forget, close your eyes for a minute, start rehashing through your life all that you have done against your Lord. Then know this, he's put that as far as the east is from the west. He's forgiven you. He's not treating you as your sins deserve. He has freed you from the prison of your debt. Now walk in the good of that by extending the same to your kids and telling them about your wonderful Savior who saved you and set you free. compassionate gospel parents are teachers slow to anger loving forgiving and they are understanding we know our children are weak sinners like us we've lived that struggle look how long it took us yes we want our children to avoid sin but we need to remember how powerful temptations draw not only that, temptations in this world today when we live, they are greater than they were for us 20 years ago. Now, this is where God begins comparing himself to us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. That's understanding. For he knows our frame and he remembers, he remembers that we are dust. This is an amazing transition in this. Do you want to know what my compassion is like? Look at these dads around you. Watch them and you'll see my compassion at work in their lives. Now the word compassion means we have sympathy, tolerance, sensitivity, empathy, care. Compassion we see here is when we take into consideration a person's weaknesses and limitations as we evaluate their actions. And yet too often we criticize. We point out our children's mistakes so far more often than we encourage their attempts. We scrutinize and criticize them, mark their failures, things that we ourselves are struggling with. You're getting angry. It's like, yo, Jack, what about you? Oh, yeah. Now, one of my favorite lines in the whole Bible is that line here, he remembers that we are dust. Apart from God and his grace, this is what we learn, we're nothing but dust. 
God remembers that we were formed from the dust and apart from him we're nothing. We need God's grace for every good work and so do our kids. Aren't you glad that when you fail, God is not quick to judge you? He's not quick to anger. He's not quick to remember your sins. But he does remember that you came from the dust. What grace it affords us to remember that our children are just like us. They are dust. You know, dust is not good for anything and it ruins everything. Which I've had days where I thought that was my kids. Like, I just painted that wall. You drew all over it, and you used a Sharpie. And then the grace of magic erasers came out, and I was like, you're lucky there's magic erasers, dude. <sighs> James says this, not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways. We're the teachers of our children. We need to remember we all stumble in many ways. We forget how foolish we've been in our lives. And we expect our children to absorb the wisdom of our decades in their days. You know, here's just the truth of it. Our kids are going to have a, as tough a time as we did, if not tougher, to learn to do what God's called them to do. Why? Because our kids are dust. We're dust. We have the potential to completely ruin everything we put our hands onto. And that's true of our kids too. Well, you know, as we get to the end of this psalm, we learn that God undergirds our weakness. Look at the, look at the difference between the way man, where, the way that we are described and the way that God is described in verses 15 and 16, we see man. As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field. For the wind passes over it, and it is gone, and its place knows it no more. But then he transitions to God in 17 and 19. So man is like grass, but God is sovereign. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children to keep who to those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments the lord has established his throne in the heavens and his kingdom rules over all when i saw that i thought oh wait a minute don't pass that up how is it that god can say you want to see compassion look at these parents and you will see my compassion. Like, wait a minute, God, how's that going to happen? How am I going to be compassionate? How is that going to have an effect on my children? And we see, because his sovereign will has decreed it. Obey the Lord, and his righteousness is going to go from your children to your grandchildren. God says, here's my plan. My power is sufficient in your weakness. When you're weak, um, you're strong with the strength that I give you. You don't think that you can represent God in your compassion? 
Don't be fooled. The God of all compassion has poured out his spirit, written his law in your hearts, that you might be able to walk in his ways. It's not about your strength. It's about my strength living in you. So dads and moms, rise up in the power of the spirit and know this. These characteristics of who God is is what God is empowering you to be in your home. Thank you, Jesus. I can't do it alone. The steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children. What a promise. You're going to help me reach my grandchildren. I've got three and two on the way. That's exciting. It's not all up to me. What a comfort to know that God's purpose will stand. His kingdom rules over all. By his mighty power, we are being transformed day by day. He is so confident in that plan that he says, you want to see my compassion? Look at these. Mom and dad, we're to be inspired toward compassionate gospel parenting by God's example. And rest knowing even though we are but grass, he is eternal and can ensure this gospel of grace is transferred to our children and their children too. God is not pointing the finger of judgment against us. He's calling us to follow his example. He declared his plan over your family. Do you love and fear the Lord and keep his commands? Then his steadfast love is upon your children and their children. Translated, it is God who will keep you and the generations that come after you. So how does David end? Commanding not just his soul, but all of everything to praise. Bless the Lord, O you his angels, you mighty ones who do his word, obeying the voice of the word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all his hosts, his ministers who do his will. Bless the Lord, all his works, in all places of his dominion, bless the Lord, O my soul. Let it be, Lord, in our lives. Inspire us to get up and continue in this grace of parenting.